I ended the last recording with this clip from a Scientology orientation film. Right this instant, you are at the threshold of your next trillion years. You will live it in shivering, agonized darkness, or you will live it triumphantly in the light. This week, I happened to find out that the man speaking in the film left Scientology in 2009 after spending 33 years in the church. So much for a trillion years. Here he is about his departure, taken from a BBC expose on Scientology titled The Secrets of Scientology. As a Scientologist, you are not only encouraged, you are really had your arms twisted, have your arms twisted never to look at media. If you see a church story in the church, turn it off because it'll only destroy the gains that you've gotten up till now. Well, I, I said, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to go online. So he did what most Scientologists do after going online. He discovered the truth about his church. Also, in the last recording, I said that in this recording, I would talk about the layers of Scientology. I'm going to put that on the back burner because of a recent development. In this recording, I'm going to focus on Scientology's relationship to human rights and to human beings in general. To do this, I'm also going to talk a little about the bedrock of the church, about an organization within Scientology called the Sea Organization, that is Sea as an Ocean, or the Sea Org for short. If you dig into Scientology, you will always find that the Sea Org is at the bottom of every aspect of the church. They are the bedrock. On an organizational level, Scientology is a mixture of many different organizations, but this Sea Org is the organization that runs them all. I'm going to start this episode by saying that talking about Scientology is hard. Not just because it's a complex mix of religion and organizations, but because Scientology is a different world with contradicting rules that create a different kind of logic. In the Scientology world, birds swim and fish fly, despite what you may see in the air and the water. This is important to keep in mind when trying to understand people who are trapped in Scientology. It is especially important for what I am going to say in this recording because it applies to the most important concept in Scientology culture. According to Scientology, there are no victims. Everything that happens to someone, whether it is a good thing or a bad thing, is 100% because of that person. What this means is that you could be walking down the street and there could be an earthquake, and the earth around you could suddenly open up and swallow you into the depths of the earth, never to be seen again. But your death would still be 100% your fault, because somewhere in your subconscious you willed that event to happen. I see this kind of blame-the-victim attitude outside of Scientology as well. Whether it's aimed at the poor for theoretically not doing enough to bring themselves out of poverty, to women who are supposedly asking for violence by the way they dress or act, or to Arabs who are often betrayed as being too barbaric to be able to create a peaceful society by themselves. Now imagine having that kind of attitude for every aspect of every person. If someone is deformed or old or has cancer, or they're robbed or kidnapped, or even a Jew in a concentration camp, the condition of that person is always 100% their fault. I'm going to emphasize this a little more because this is such an important aspect to understand when trying to understand Scientology, and thankfully, it's not one that most people can easily grasp. In Scientology, nothing happens to people. Everything, everything happens to a person because of that person. There is no exception for members of the church who have disappeared. Your everyday Scientologist doesn't know that sometimes high-ranking people in Scientology disappear. But if everyday Scientologists were to find out high-ranking members disappear from time to time, they wouldn't be as phased as you'd think. 
If people are being held against their will, out of sight from the rest of the world, it is their own fault. They are somehow allowing themselves to be held against their will. In fact, disappeared Scientologists often believe this as well. If they are true believers, and many of them are, they think that their internment is not a result of somebody else's cruelty, but purely a result of their subconscious desire to be trapped in an inescapable situation. If this is hard to believe, don't worry, I'm making it up. I'm speaking to you as an actor reading lines from a script made of fantasy and false memories. The Church of Scientology is an ethical, religious organization which in reality is the fastest growing religion in the world. If you don't believe me, talk to a Scientologist. Go to your local Scientology church or building, click on Scientology's official website, or there are many anti-Scientology websites, and you'll have all the facts you need about the Church of Scientology. Any other facts about the church, like those you'll find in websites or books written by former members of Scientology, are not facts at all. They are apparitions created by hate speech, spoken by people like me. In reality, there is no truth. What is true is true for you. If you don't believe that people are being held against their will, then it isn't happening. And if it is, it's their own fault. On August 8, 2013, actress Leah Romini filed a missing person report for the wife of David Miscavige, in other words, the wife of the Supreme Leader of Scientology. Despite David's very visible public presence in the church, his wife, Michelle Miscavige, had not been seen since 2007. And even in 2007, she had only been seen in public on one day, which was the day after her father's funeral. Before that day, she was missing since 2005. Michelle, known as Shelley, vanished completely after her father's funeral. Since then, the Church of Scientology has scarcely acknowledged her existence, and even when they do, it is not to other Scientologists. It is to reporters that ask about her. All the Church says about Shelley is that Mrs. Miscavige is working on a special project, or something to that effect. In Scientology, if they say somebody is working on a special project, it is code for don't ask about that person. Since Shelley's complete disappearance in 2007, there have been a number of high-ranking officials that have publicly defected from Scientology and told their own stories. Their inside knowledge about how the church operates and how their leader, David Miscavige, operates has been invaluable in investigating his wife's disappearance. Yet, even these formerly high-ranking officials, who are deep in the inner core of the Church of Scientology, have not said what has happened to Shelley, though, by combining their stories with anonymous sources, newspaper articles, blog posts, books, scouring years' worth of online forum posts and YouTube videos, as well as dredging up my own flickering memories, I am beginning to understand what may have happened to her. The first thing you have to know about Shelley Miscavige's disappearance is that she is not missing. Hours after Leah Romini filed the missing person report with the Los Angeles Police Department, an LAPD lieutenant named Andre Dawson made a public statement saying that detectives have made contact with Shelley Miscavige, though she doesn't want to appear in public. They did not give any more information. This prompted a journalist by the name of Tony Ortega to ask Lieutenant Dawson if Shelley was alone when detectives spoke with her, alone as opposed to with handlers. Lieutenant Andre Dawson, quote, quickly fired back, that's classified, end quote. Well, glad that was solved. Shelley's fine, it's just that the formerly always-present wife of the leader of Scientology 
Must have become a bit shy, that's all. Apparently, nothing to worry about. A year and a half later, on January 4th, 2015, if things weren't already creepy enough, they became creepier. In order to understand this development, I'll need to go off on a tangent about Scientology's relationship with human rights. On January 4th, 2015, Tony Ortega, a journalist who is sort of a lightning rod for ex-Scientologists because of his trusted and thorough investigations into the church, came across a flyer advertising a Scientology event. The event was advertised as an open house event to promote human rights, specifically highlighting human trafficking in Los Angeles. Now, I'm sure that Scientology isn't the worst offender when it comes to human trafficking in Los Angeles, but they have a reputation, especially when it comes to children. Let me give you a personal example. When I was about 9 or 10, I happened to be wandering around in a Scientology church building. At some point, a girl in a paramilitary Navy-esque uniform came up to me. The uniform meant that she was a member of the Sea Organization. She was probably about 12 or 13 and clearly scared out of her wits. She was pale and shaking and holding a piece of paper. She grabbed my attention. How old are you? she asked. 10, I said innocently, but I knew why she was asking. I was theoretically supposed to be at least 12 years old in order to sign the paper she was holding. She hesitated for a second. Sign this, she demanded as she pushed the paper into my face, sounding like she was trying to convince herself that she had some sort of authority over me. I can tell you exactly what this piece of paper said. It said, quote, I blank do hereby agree to the religious commitment of membership in the Sea Organization and dedicate myself to achieving the goal shared by Sea Org members, which is to bring about spiritual freedom of all beings through the application of LRH's technology. Being sound of mind, I do fully realize and agree to abide by the purpose shared by the Sea Org members, which is to get ethics in on the planet and the universe, and fully, without reservation, subscribe to Sea Organization discipline, mores, and conditions, and pledge to abide by them. And then, in all capital letters, it said, Therefore, I commit myself to the Sea Organization for the next billion years, Name and date. For those of you who are a little rusty on your Scientologies, this piece of paper is a simple contract. If you sign it, you are committing your entire life, at least until you are a billion years older, to the Church of Scientology. This isn't something that should have been taken lightly. Committing yourself to the Church of Scientology in this way means essentially losing your family, if you hadn't lost them already. Living in a god-awful communal barracks, eating terrible food, sleeping zero to five hours a night, and spending your waking hours working for Scientology for zero to forty-six dollars a week. That means a hundred and something hours of work a week for the church, for little to no pay. I could go on. The actual conditions of life in the Sea Organization are unfortunately worse than that. What I just described is more like the ideal of the Sea Org. If you're naughty in the Sea Org, things will take a turn for the worse, and you'll wind up on the other side of the coin, in the Rehabilitation Project Force. This is basically a Scientology gulag. And it's for real. It's run like a gulag. You're treated like a prisoner, though the conditions and food are often worse than the conditions in the U.S. prison. Here, you have to do terrible, sometimes dangerous things under the worst conditions for months, or years, or decades, 
or forever. What happens in the Rehabilitation Project Force is so far from being legal. There have been so many human rights abuses within the Rehabilitation Project Force that counting them would be an act of futility. Like in a dictatorship, where atrocities become ingrained into the culture, it's hard to differentiate acts of violence from normal days. Personally, I've found that people who go into the Rehabilitation Project Force do not come out of it the same person. Unfortunately, the Sea Org seems to be designed to eventually send a lot of its members into the Rehabilitation Project Force. It is also designed to keep people in there until the church allows them out. And good luck trying to escape. If you do manage to get out, you'll be hunted down and either found and brought back by force, or shunned, or as they call it in Scientology, disconnected, from all your friends, spouse, family, and all the rest of your contacts, forever. If you make it out, being free would be just as hard as being in, at least at first. An escapee wouldn't necessarily have a place to stay, nor contacts, nor money, nor any way to make money. Worst of all, everything they've been told about the real world is that it's a terrible place and not to trust anyone. Your life can be unbearably lonely if you don't trust anyone who is not already shunning you. It is not uncommon for escapees to attempt suicide or come crawling back to the rehabilitation project force despite everything because they have no idea what else they can do. Some of these escapees are children because children join the Sea Org. Lots of children. How do so many children become part of the system? First of all, Scientologists believe in reincarnation, so they don't differentiate between children and adults. For example, that eight-year-old over there, playing with a doll, might have been a 45-year-old airplane pilot 10 years ago. Why belittle them by forcing them to start all over again as a child, when they could be given back their adulthood right away by being given hard work, real responsibility, and as little time to play as any hard-working adult would have? Also, as it happens, it is easier to convince that 8-year-old to commit their entire lives to the church rather than a 45-year-old who has more life experience. In some cases, children are told to sign the CR contract like I was, though sometimes pizza is also involved in the recruitment process. Other times, a children's parents will join the Sea Org, and the child will no longer have a place to live unless they join the Sea Org as well. All of my friends join the Sea Org as children. Most of them were 12 to 15 years old when they joined. Now they are in their late 20s and still there. I wonder how many of them would have joined if they were allowed to wait a few years first. I wonder how many of them would leave if they could still be allowed to keep their friends and family afterwards. Human rights organizations highlight child soldiers as one of the most terrible outcomes of war. We usually think of child soldiers living in Central Africa, the Middle East, or Afghanistan. But you can find them in Los Angeles, too. All you have to do is go into kitchens or boiler rooms of church buildings, and you'll see them in their paramilitary units cleaning, exhausted, spent, and dirty. Many of these children may not even be from Los Angeles. They could be from anywhere. Once separated from their parents, they become property of the Church of Scientology. And the church does whatever it wants with its property, including shipping it off to wherever the church pleases. There is actually a process for this by which Sea Org members are called coins. Scientology organizations around the world trade coins with each other. Often these trades do not take the coins, friends, family, spouses, or environment into account, 
So Sea Org members, including children, are easily separated from everyone and everything they knew for an indefinite amount of time and have no say in the process. This is why it is ironic that in December of 2014, a Scientology organization hosted an event that focused on human trafficking in Los Angeles. It is likely that in the same building that the event was hosted in, there were children who were shipped in from all over the place, working under the threat of being tossed into a gulag. But how is this possible? Why don't the authorities put a stop to this? Good question. Let's go to the Los Angeles Police Department's Human Trafficking Unit right now and talk to them. But before we do, let's take another look at the flyer unearthed by Tony Ortega. According to this flyer, and verified by photos, one of the main speakers of this Scientology event was the LAPD Lieutenant Andre Dawson, the same Andre Dawson that was in charge of Shelley Miscavige's very quickly closed and, quote, classified missing persons case. What was Lieutenant Dawson doing at this event? Under normal circumstances, his appearance would not be questionable. After all, this was, theoretically, an event about human trafficking. And Lieutenant Dawson is from the Human Trafficking Unit of the LAPD. However, as part of the LAPD's Human Trafficking Unit, there is no way Lieutenant Dawson wasn't aware of the human trafficking allegations against the church. A quick Google search will retrieve plenty of allegations and investigations into Scientology's human trafficking. Because Los Angeles is one of the biggest hubs of the Church of Scientology, you will also find that some of these investigations involve Scientology organizations in Los Angeles. These allegations you can find on the internet are just the public ones. It would not be presumptuous to assume that many more people have gone to the LAPD in private to try to find loved ones who were last seen in a Los Angeles Scientology building. I know I have. But back to Lieutenant Dawson. Photos from this December 2014 human rights event show an audience of about 80 people, almost all dressed in identical black outfits. These are the typical numbers and attire of the kind of event that only Scientologists would attend. Not an event that was geared towards the public. Therefore, given so many human trafficking allegations against the church, unless Lieutenant Dawson was undercover, what would a member of the LAPD's Human Trafficking Unit be doing speaking at an event that only Scientologists would attend? Maybe you're giving Lieutenant Dawson the benefit of the doubt, and allowing that if someone speaks at an event, it does not mean that they would agree with the organization hosting it. However, when Lieutenant Dawson spoke at this event, he implied that supporting Scientology would help fight against human trafficking by saying to the audience, quote, by you coming to this event hosted by the Church of Scientology, and by the things you will learn from the other distinguished speakers this evening, i.e. Scientologists, just know that you can choose to make a difference and save the life of a child, unquote. By no means is this concrete proof of a long-suspected corrupt connection between the LAPD and Scientology. But it is creepy that the same detective who recently very quickly closed the case on Shelley Miscavige's disappearance, spoke highly of Scientology's relationship with human rights, when nobody else besides the church would dream of doing that. I don't know quite what this means, but it's certainly worth filing away for later. In this recording, we have gone over the most recent event regarding the disappearance of Shelley Miscavige and found that she isn't missing. In this next recording, I would like to get into who Shelley is and her former position in the church. This would help in understanding why she would disappear. 
And, as always, I will let the Church of Scientology have the final word. After all, they are the only experts and the real authority when it comes to themselves. This time, I'm going to go all out and let them have two final words. The first one is a 2014 cell phone recording of the Church's highest-ranking officials harassing a former Scientologist who escaped the Sea Org years ago. He now writes about his experiences in the Sea Org and tries to help other escapees acclimate into the real world. Somehow, the church found out that he was traveling to Los Angeles, so they threw him a surprise reunion at LAX airport. It is likely that the church sent this ambush of three Sea Org members to harass him, as opposed to one or two, in order to make sure that none of them would escape during their venture into the outside world. You're not going to hear Marty, the guest of honor, speaking in this recording. He's simply holding his cell phone out and recording them. This happened a couple months ago. It's only a partial recording. You can find the whole thing on YouTube. The second recording is from a promo video made by the Scientology group that hosted the human rights event. By pure coincidence, I found the video on the YouTube channel of the very last Scientologist friend I had before he too disconnected from me. I made a negative comment about the church on something he posted on Facebook. Without a word to me, he deleted my comment, and then he deleted me as his friend. He and I had been friends for at least 20 years. Stop committing suppressive acts. Full-time suppressive acts. Full-time. Just end it. Go live a life. Why don't you get a life, man? Just get a life. You've had zero effect, none, and nobody gives a fuck about you. That's the truth. Uh, we are doing so well. So still, man. We nobody afraid. has even noticed you're gone, man. Nobody. You're nothing. That's the point. And you're nothing. No complex. Is that what you learned? Brilliant. No complex. Your TRs are brilliant. Why don't you just stop committing suppressive acts and live a real life? What's he doing in L.A. anyway? What are you doing in L.A.? Why are you here? Why don't you just end it and start living a decent life and do something to help mankind? Since you guys do nothing to help mankind, between you, Mike, it's pathetic. You guys are embarrassing and pathetic. Pathetic. Disgusting. And it's all over your face and you look terrible. The world I see is fair and free, where people can travel wherever they please. And children can eat and have shoes on their feet and not be afraid when they walk on the street. It's not like there has to be rainbows and bunnies. The streets full of people are dancing like dummies. But freedom to live, to learn, and to play, to just be yourself, and think your own way. The road I see may sound crazy to you, but hopefully, someday, you'll see it too.